Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, George Carl, Bruce Bowen, and more on the Goodyear Hotline today. Oh, what a night. Fantastic finish in Phoenix. Sticky stuff drama. Detroit wins the biggest game of ping pong of the entire year. All that and more. Let's go. Here we go. go, go. Only one place to start. Rather looking, throws it alley. Oh! Mike Breen with a call of a play that I think has a chance to live forever because right now the Phoenix Suns look to me like a team that might go on to win the championship and wasn't that something. The screen, the pass, the dunk, 2-0 Phoenix in what has been a pretty good Western Conference Finals so far that is going to change dramatically now one way or the other. The one way is Chris Paul, the other is Kawhi Leonard. Now, before the start of the series, I gave you Suns in five, and I said it's because I thought Paul would come back and Kawhi would not, and I will stick with that. But give the Clippers credit. They win that series against Utah without their best player, and now they're in both of these games and certainly should have in every way won that game last night. So we're going to get into all of that with George Carl in just a few minutes and also the draft lottery won by the Pistons. Speaking of the draft lottery, if I could just briefly... Nuno in the Google Doc. Can I make this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless? I've mentioned the infamous Greenie Show Google Doc. Nuno suggesting stories to me. This is what he wrote yesterday. It's funny, as a Knicks fan, before this season, all I focused on was the draft lottery. Now I'll watch, but it won't ruin my night like it did for years when the league screwed them over and didn't give them the top pick like they deserved. That's from Nuno. And Bubba, all I can ask, all I can ask Bubba at this point, is he just doing that for the reaction? Is he just doing it for the reaction? You know, I I honestly don't think he is because <laughs> there were very, very similar things when we used to work with Will and he would just, he just says whatever's on his mind and it would lead to arguments. It would lead to crazy thoughts. He just throws it out there. I think he's just, this is who he is. I don't care one way or the other. I like it. I like it a lot. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. But that is not where we begin today. We obviously begin with the spectacular dunk and all that kind of... It's a great play. It's a beautifully executed play. There were defensive mistakes. We talked about it on TV like crazy, and we will continue to talk about that here. But I have to begin by talking about instant replay. The last 90 seconds of that game last night took 33 minutes to play. Let me say that again. The last 90 seconds last night took 33 minutes to play. The last .9 seconds took 11 minutes to transpire. Come on. What are we doing here? I've been defending replay since the minute it began. Since the instant they started talking about instant replay, I have been a supporter, and I remain one. But please, this is not what was intended. I've given you the rule again and again. If it's that close, the call stands. Move on. If you need to spend that much time looking at it, the juice is not worth the squeeze. Replay was intended to overturn hideously missed calls, egregiously missed calls, not to make the difference in microscopic inches that I grant you do decide games, but that's just life. We cannot have it stopped like this. To say there was no flow to the end of that game would be a huge insult to flawless things everywhere. 
Jeff Van Gundy almost lost his mind. That never would have been able to happen without that, um, like you guys want to say, such a great review. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a great review. I thought it was appropriate. No, no, I no, felt- no. You guys, like, let's just stay here till midnight and, like, review every play. Why is where it you going to the last go, two man? minutes we want where, to get him where, you, where You want to go over and get it to, to, what is it, talking stick? They don't even have credit there. You can't get a marker <laughs> to play cards in that place, man. Like, get it right. It's too important not to get it right. So that's Scott Van Pelt saying we need to get it right. And I understand. Scott's not wrong. We want to get it right. But the point is, sometimes things aren't gotten wrong enough to be worth it. We cannot have the final 90 seconds of a basketball take team, a game taking 33 minutes to play. We can't have that. It also disrupts the competitive nature of it. I was talking to PJ Carlissimo about this on TV, and I, I was actually it came up because we were talking before the show when he said it to me, and I asked him to say it on TV, and I'm going to talk to George Carl about it, who's coached like 1,200 NBA games that there's no way in the world that play happens if not for the replay reviews. They have enough time. Tim Legler made a joke this morning. I'm surprised they didn't go over to the practice court and practice that play before they ran it. They had so much time to do it. And PJ said there used to be an art to coaching that you would be saving your timeouts. One of the things that you would do in good coaching was to make sure you had timeouts left at the end of the game. That's irrelevant now. I'm not saying that we wax rhapsodic about the days when coaches hoarded their timeouts, but come on, this just can't be. We cannot have it take this long to play the end of a game. It just can't. So I have the question of the day. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. And it is for the hashtag crew first. And we're going to take calls on this a little bit later. Don't call now. I don't want you sitting on hold because I have George Carl coming in a few minutes here. But a little bit later, I will ask you this question. But right now, I'm asking the members of the hashtag crew. Hembo, first up. Did the delays ruin the finish? Let me reframe the question. That is one of the greatest finishes in NBA history. Mm. When you have a a playoff game, a conference final, with a one-point margin and .9 seconds, and they execute an out-of-bounds play that results in a dunk with no time left, what I've just described to you is one of the most dramatic moments that you could ever ask for. What could happen that is more dramatic than that in an NBA game? That moment should, and on some level will, as a replay, live forever and live with all of the classic moments we've seen in NBA history. But was it diminished, perhaps even spoiled, by the extraordinary, bordering on excruciating amount of time it took us to get there? That's the question of the day. Hembo, what's the answer? It was diminished. It was spoiled. And since you gave me the floor, I obviously have to make a baseball comparison. Some of the most legendary plays in the history of my favorite sport are these sort of bang-bang plays. Jackie Robinson steals home in game one of the 1955 World Series. You know, without a 10-minute replay, who knows if he was safer out? We still don't know to this day. How about the Derek Jeter flip play, right? One of the great plays ever. One of the coolest plays in baseball history. Had we had replay then, we would have spent the next 10 minutes figuring out whether or not Jeremy Giambi's foot hit home plate before Jorge Posada swiped his calf. I'm done with replay, and I think, ultimately, this is an entertainment product. If you're doing anything to make it less entertaining, it's bad for the sport, and that was bad for the sport. Okay, I like your take, but you went too far. Again, we're not done with replay. Replay was intended to overturn egregious errors. It can still do that, and it can still do it without causing the final 90 seconds of an NBA playoff game to take 33 minutes to play. (laughs) If you have to look at it twice, the call stands. 
It's the greeny one look rule. It's not that complicated. Was it that close? Okay, how'd we call it on the court? Leave it. Go out there. Now, DeMarcus, cover the pass. We'll talk about him in a little while. But let me get the rest of the hashtag crew in here. Nuno, the question of the day to you. Did the delay, did the excruciating amount of time it took, did it diminish the sensational aspect of the final for you? No, because it did what it's supposed to do, get the call right. My goodness, that's an annoying take. It's so concise, it's hard to argue with. You, you, you're def- you did everything absolutely right there, and I'm floored by it. So you're telling me that, that you believe it is okay that it took 33 minutes to play the final 90 seconds so long as they get all the calls right. Yes. The other stuff that they – what the NBA can do, and I know the guys on KJZ talked about it, is stop allowing these coaches to use it as a timeout. Keep the guys on the court so that you don't get this advantage when you don't have a timeout. Cause that's, and that's what Jeff Van Gundy was saying in the beginning of that clip, is the only way they got to drop that play was because they had a, they got a free timeout because of the instant replay. I don't disagree with you, but I think you've put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. The biggest problem with this is not that it creates the situation you just described. The biggest problem with it is who wants to sit through it? Mm-hmm. Who can sit there? It's not our job. Now, in our case, it is our job. But if you're a basketball fan, you're not sitting. It's not your job to sit through this stuff. Get to the finish. Bubba, jump in here. And many may not know this. But before Bubba's long and, and now bordering on, on legendary run in radio production, uh, Bubba was actually a timepiece maker. Bubba actually made clocks. He manufactured clocks and was heavily involved in, in, the, um, in the technology behind the digital clocks. So you understand time better than most people do. Bubba, do you feel that the amount of time it took to play the final moments of that game diminished the greatness of the ending? Yeah, I think a lot of things are true here. Yes, it diminished it. Yes, we still need replay, but like you say, it needs to be a lot faster. So we don't need to be doing it looking at 3,000 angles. If you can move it quicker, let's do that. But I do think, as Nuno's saying, you got to get the call right. Okay, exactly. There's, there's levels, but it was brutal. There are levels of getting it right, which is to say you should get the call right if it was very obviously gotten wrong. Mm-hmm. And I will never stop saying that. But where we have taken this thing with coaches' challenges and looking back to see if it's a flagrant one, and now all of this, it's just too much. Let's hope it doesn't happen tonight in Game 1 of the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals, which you'll hear right here on ESPN Radio. Game 1, Bucks hawks presented by Indeed. Coverage starts 8 Eastern on most of these ESPN Radio stations. We'll have your calls on this a little bit later, but we will have the legendary George Carl with his perspective on all things that happened last night. He'll join us next. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. 
big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. And with no further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome back an old friend. George Carl is with us on ESPN Radio. How you been, George? Mike, I can't complain. My life is easy. I'm retired and enjoying life and enjoying family and uh, loving life in Denver. Well, I'm, I'm delighted to hear that. And you look good. And I'm, I'm glad to see you healthy. And I also I follow you on Twitter there. So you're you're definitely never uh, at a shortage for opinions on the things that have happened. You never have been. So let's get right to it. Let's let's talk about the point nine seconds last night. Let's start with all the things that had to go right before we get to the things that had to go wrong. Let's start with all the things that Phoenix did right to execute that play that could wind up turning the whole series. Well, I mean, the fourth quarter was a very good playoff quarter for every, both teams played very well with a lot of heart. I just think Phoenix has a trust in each other that no other team in the playoffs has right now. And that showed by, I mean, Booker made a big a couple big shots. But uh, the Phoenix Suns played well enough to win that game in many ways. And it's going to be tough to come back from this loss for the, for the Clippers. I know everybody says down 0-2 is their, their forte, but they're using a lot of energy to kind of get back in this series, and they're going to run out of gas, I think, in this series. I would agree, and it looks like Phoenix is going to get Chris Paul back. So I, I do agree they have the advantage. But how about the play? I mean, you're a person, you, you coach whatever it is, 1,200 NBA games, so very few people have ever called up more plays with one, one second left in a game than you have. What did you see on the play they ran on the offensive side? I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to, to the whole team executed it almost perfectly. Um, I think Crowder's pass was perfect. I thought Zubox got through the screen, almost got the ball. But, I mean, Aiton made a, a nice kind of decoy, and then he went right to the rim. The timing was perfect. The back screen by Booker was unbelievable. And it was just one of those karmas that I think the perfect storm hit. And Phoenix has playoff magic right now. They believe, they trust each other, and they think they're going to win no matter what the odds. I'm with that. You know, I had PJ on uh, the TV show this morning, and he was making the point that the screen is such an incredibly important part of it because the defender, who in that case is Nicholas Batum, he can't leave Booker alone. Having Booker set the screen is really smart. Like, just these little things that are such important pieces of the chess match that a lot of fans might not notice immediately. By having Booker be the one to set the screen, Batum has to go with him, and that leaves Aiton in a one-on-one situation. Well, you probably would have rather gotten beat by a jump shot, but... 
I mean, there, I think, I mean, the Clippers are going to have a lot of things to talk about. I mean, DeMarcus could have been more aggressive on the out of bounds play, on bothering the pass. Uh, you know, you could have switched it, uh, but I mean, it's a, it was a well run play, and almost everybody, everybody ran it to per, per, to perfection. No question. But but then take me to the defensive huddle. So for all those games you've coached, you've also been on the defensive side with 0.9 seconds and a one-point lead um, a million times before. What are the things you're saying to your players as they're going out there to defend that? Yeah, well, you know, you want to make sure they, they catch the ball in front of you and in the, in the court where you can challenge the shot that they take. The back screen, that's why a lot of teams in the NBA switch most back screens in that situation. But again, uh, with the big kid in zoo box, I mean, Booker would have gotten a wide open shot. I would have wanted more active pressure on the ball on the side, on the, on the, on the baseline out of bounds passer. That was where I would put more emphasis. Yeah. DeMarcus Cousins seems to be defending against the one thing you're trying to make them do rather than defending against the thing that, that winds up beating you. George Carl with me on the, the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. So I, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, George, because it's something that a lot of people were talking about after the game, and we were too, and that is sort of the interminable replay reviews. Um, I, I have the actual number here because we timed it. The last 90 seconds of that game took 33 minutes to play. And I just wonder, as one who is an NBA lifer, if, if if you think the juice is worth the squeeze on all of these replays? Uh, I don't think lengthening the game makes any sense to me. And and every, every, every playoff series is going to get more intense, and you're going to see more of what happened last night in close games. I don't understand why we can't remedy it by maybe having <clears> – <throat> having the decision made uh, in, in the league office. Mm-hmm. And when they go over to the table, the decision's already made. They might have a, a short discussion on it. And then, but what, what happened is, if you think about it, Phoenix got a lot of time to draw up that play and mm-hmm. talk about that play. And I thought that was advent, very advantageous to Monty. And, and now you don't have to save your timeouts. There's an advantage going on right now that I think somewhere along the way the league has got to examine it and maybe make a make it maybe make somewhat of a change. Yeah, PJ brought that up as well. Greeny and the great George Carl is with me. Two more things for you quickly while I have you. Um, and let's let's start with this series here. Uh, in the absence of Kawhi Leonard coming back, and they haven't ruled him out, but I, I don't think anyone expects him to come back and play for the Clippers. We'll see. I hope he does just in the interest of a good series. Um, but does it feel like Phoenix is sort of unstoppable now? You mentioned they're a team of magic. I saw you tweeted that last night. They've won nine straight playoff games. Do they look unstoppable to you right now? I picked them in the last in the series. Last series, I said after they won that I thought Phoenix was the best basketball team left, hmm. and they and now they won two games without probably their best player. That shows how together they are. Uh, the mental toughness of this team is really outstanding, and I think that comes so much from Chris Paul's karma. I mean, for years, players complained about Chris Paul being too tough. Well, guess what? Phoenix right now is really tough. 
mm-hmm. mentally and physically. And I think Monty and Chris Paul got to take a lot of credit for that. The Booker I'm seeing playing right now is a different player than I saw last year. This kid is possessed to be a, the next great player in the NBA. I really like him and Donovan Mitchell as two of the up-and-coming guys mm. that are really, really good in playoff basketball. I agree. And Mitchell emerged in this postseason even in a losing effort, and here is uh, Devin Booker leading his team. One more for you quickly, George Carl. When I first met you, you were the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Mike and I used to come up to Milwaukee and see you every now and again. Here they are in the conference final for the, you know, with this opportunity against Atlanta. How do you see it? How do you see the East? It's a tough one for me because I love Nate McMillan. Uh, you know, I coached Nate in Seattle. He and I are very good friends, and I love Milwaukee. So I'll probably be happy whoever wins, but. Hmm. I think Milwaukee is the better team. I think Atlanta is going to run out of gas a little bit on their youthful enthusiasm. And I think uh, Milwaukee has persevered very difficult through difficult situations. And I, I think they'll find a way to win this series. Right, we will see. George Carl, it is great to see your face and hear your voice. I'm glad that you're well. A pleasure, as always. We'll talk again. Thanks a million. Okay, good seeing you, man. You Bye-bye. too. That's George Carl. Again, I've known him that long. He was the coach of the Bucks um, when Mike and I first launched, which was the year 2000, so that's 21 years ago. And those were really good teams. That was when he had Ray Allen and Glenn Robinson, and, um, and they went to the conference final that year and lost to Iverson and the Sixers. Um, and so here he is, and you know, look, he's been through hell with, with his health and all that kind of stuff. So it's great to see that he is still well. By the way... Since Nate McMillan became the coach, I'm just throwing this out there. Since Nate McMillan became the coach of the Atlanta Hawks, their record is 35 and 15. In that same time, the Bucks are 33 and 16. I keep pointing that out. The Hawks are the lower seeded team because they didn't have anywhere near the season that Milwaukee did or um, that, um, that that Philly did, whom they just knocked out. But since March, they've been as good as anybody. They were as good as the Sixers, and they have been as good as Milwaukee. So that's going to be a really interesting series. Can I just say something about the history of replay before we move on to something else? I just want to make one thing perfectly clear. Because what I don't want anyone to misconstrue is what I'm saying, and I don't want anyone else to get this wrong. Replay in and of itself is a good idea. Replay came about, as I recall, because of the 1978 AFC Championship game. Now, I don't know if you're listening to me. I don't know if you're old enough to remember that game, but I am. The Pittsburgh Steelers are playing the Houston Oilers in the AFC Championship game. And a Houston receiver catches a ball in the corner of the end zone and clearly gets both feet down, and they rule them out of bounds. They rule it incomplete. They wind up, if I, I'm doing this from memory now, they wind up kicking a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown, and they lose by those four points, the AFC Championship game. And the Steelers go on and they win the Super Bowl. And that was my first recollection of there being an outcry for something being done about this. I remember the conversations. I was just a kid, but I remember the conversations. We have all these cameras. Why can't we overturn an egregiously missed call? It was egregious. If you, if you YouTube that play, it's got to exist. Hembo, YouTube that play. It's got to exist. It was the, the AFC Championship game, Pittsburgh and Houston. I forget the name of the receiver. He was a small guy on, on Houston in the corner of the end zone back when Houston was the Oilers, and, and it's, it's an egregiously missed call. They put instant replay in for a while. They took it out. The NFL took it out. Then many years later, late 90s, the Jets are playing Seattle 
in a regular season game. And Vinny Testaverde, the Jets quarterback, is scrambling and they rule him of scoring a touchdown on a fourth down play in which if you look at it for two seconds, you can see that his helmet crossed the goal line and the ball did not. It was clearly not a touchdown. Again, it would be satisfied by the greeny one look rule. You just look at it one time and you say that call is wrong, overturn it and move on. You didn't need to look at it for 20 minutes. And that's what instant replay was meant to be. Instant replay is not meant to decide whose finger the ball grazed before it went out of bounds. That's not what instant replay was ever designed to do. It is designed to get the calls right, but only the ones that are egregiously missed. We could replay every call in any game in every sport. No one in their right mind is in favor of that. But the, 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 we have to have some, I do not want this people to say Greeny has decided he's against replay, because I'm not. But there's no earthly reason they need to review every single call at the end of a game. If it's that close, just leave it. If you have to look at it more than once and say, oh, you know, maybe it was him, maybe it was off him. Okay, how do we call it on the court? Leave it. Get back out here and run the play. So that's how I view this. That's the history of replay. Did you find the play or no? I see it. Was it Mike Renfro? Yes, it was. It was Mike Renfro. That's exactly right. Are you seeing the play? Hembo's looking at it over there. We have no way of showing it to you. <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but that's the play. It was Mike Renfro mm-hmm. was his name. Back corner of the end zone, an obvious catch. They missed the call. All right. They missed the call. And that's the AFC Championship game. I'm doing this from memory. Did they win 27-23? Mm, no. The, the 1978 Championship game was 34-5. to Okay. So the then that's, then it was not the, the wrong deciding factor. Year. Okay. But, was, but this is the play in that game? Yes. Is that play? This play took place in a game that was 34 to 5? Yes. All right, so my recollection of it isn't as good as I thought, but I had the right play. One way or the other, that was where I first remember the conversation about instant replay beginning. And that's where we are now. So that, that, that then begets a situation where a classic NBA game, the final nine, 90 seconds, take 33 minutes to play. I and think it was 1979, and the score was 27 13. Okay. Either way, it wasn't the deciding factor. So, so okay, yeah. one way or another, it doesn't make any difference. I'm doing all these things off the top of my head. I shouldn't be as specific as that. But I remember the play, and I remember the incident, and I remember the fact that that was where the first time I remember hearing people say, we have all these cameras, why can't we get the calls right? So that is where we begin the show today with all that stuff coming out of a wild game two last night greeny presented by progressive insurance with insurance for cars homes boats motorcycles rvs and commercial vehicles at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com meanwhile green light with greeny the best moment in baseball last night was the stare down between Max Scherzer and Joe Girardi. Hembo, you told me there would be managerial gamesmanship involved in this sticky stuff, and I believe that's what happened last night. So many of you have probably seen what happened in the game last night between the Nationals and the Phillies. Max Scherzer, whose motor tends to run a little hot anyway, he's pitching well last night. They check him for the sticky stuff after the first inning. They check him again after the third inning. Now he's pitching in the fifth inning. And Joe Girardi, the always somewhat devious manager of the Phillies, demands that he be checked again on the mound in the middle of an inning. And Scherzer loses his mind. And I believe Girardi, who gets thrown out because he basically is, is in on picking a fight with Girardi as it, with uh, Scherzer as it goes, <laughs> I believe he's doing it as gamesmanship. I believe Scherzer's pitching well. He's mowing down his team. He's trying to get in his head. 
He's willing to get himself thrown out of the game if it takes Scherzer off of his game. That's what I believe happened last night. Hembo, what do you think? I'm a little more skeptical than you are. I think there's a chance that Joe Girardi just recognized an opportunity for his team to have a competitive advantage. Maybe we can get Max Scherzer out of the game if indeed he has some sticky substance in his hair. But either way, he made a total fool of himself. Who did? Joe Girardi did. Do we, it was Bush. Like, we knew this might happen because um, the managers are allowed to, to, do, to do so, and thus someone was going to do so. But watching it in the moment, it was, it was definitely Bush. It was definitely outside the lines of things that you know, we, should, we should accept in the game. And so I totally understand why Davey Martinez is outraged at him and totally understand why Max Scherzer was outraged at him. That being said, I didn't need the tantrum out of Scherzer either, who, who's a sec, you know, he's effectively the de facto leader of the players' union. So him doing that the, the week that this is starting is also a bad look for baseball. Well, let, 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 you mentioned that to me before we came on the air. Give mm-hmm. me the significance of that. The fact that he's involved in this very public and candidly very unsightly yeah. meltdown how the fa- what, what the fact that he's the most powerful guy in the union? What how does that impact this? Because he's making a point, and, and right after the game, he called out Rob Manfred by name and said, "These are Rob Manfred rules. I've made my opinions clear on this. Go ask him." The fact that it could have been any other pitcher, and it would have you know been a story, but the fact that it's one of the best pitchers in baseball and the leader of the union. He's raising a stink on purpose to make a point. That's why it was so significant. I have some Scherzer sound here. Let's hear it. The only part that was really sweaty enough on me to be able to grab any type of moisture was on my hair. Um, it wasn't a warm night's night, so the back of my neck really wasn't that sweaty uh, when I tried to get there. Um, and so for me, the only part, the only body part that actually had enough sweat on it was my hair. So, um, you know, that's fortunate tonight. But, I mean, th- this is going to be dangerous when, you know, you're in a cold game and you have no sweat. Uh, what will we do then? So Scherzer doesn't like it. And listen what to we what doing? we're talking about. What are we doing? Listen to what we're talking about. My hair was the only part of me sweaty enough. I mean, how did we get to this? This is another one where you take a good idea. See, this is what we do too much in sports and I think everywhere. The basic idea here is we want to get this stuff out of the game. Pitchers are using spider tack and it's ruining the game and we need to get it out. Yep. And that in and of itself is a good idea. How it turns into Max Scherzer saying, well, my neck wasn't sweaty enough, is the problem. He took his pants off twice yeah, on the mound yesterday. He did. <laughs> he, did. <laughs> he took his pants off. For those of you who didn't see it, Sergio Romo did the same thing for Oakland, right? He pulled he took, his pants down. He pulled his pants down. <laughs> These are grown men pulling down their pants on the field of play because they don't like the rule. That is, that is meant to get blatant cheating out of the sport. But again, it was meant to get... See, this is where the two topics tie together for me. It was meant to get blatant cheating out of the game. It wasn't meant to get this out of the game. No. It wasn't meant to get the pitcher running his hand through his hair. Listen to what Joe Girardi says. Well, let me pause on this thought. You have to hear how Joe Girardi explained this to recognize just how ludicrous this became last night. I'll pause on this thought. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. All right, so busy today and delighted that you were there. Greeny with you. We just had George Carlon breaking down an unbelievable finish in the NBA last night. We've had a lot of conversation about replay and the way that it I'm being as kind as I can here, interfered with the flow of the closing minutes of last night's Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals. And now we're on to the sticky stuff and the very unseemly night that was baseball last night where Sergio Romo, a pitcher for the A's, dropped his pants on the field and was outdone by Max Scherzer, who dropped his pants on the mound. So that's what happened last night. And you have to hear, so Girardi is the one who starts this. And, and, and look, I've known Joe forever. He's a Northwestern guy. I love him. I will always root for him and defend him blindly. But here's the manager of a Major League Baseball team explaining why he demanded that in the middle of an inning, the pitcher be examined for the sticky stuff by the umpire. I've seen Max a long time, since 2010. Um, obviously, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, but I've never seen him wipe his head like he was doing tonight, ever, um, going like this, right? So it was suspicious for me. He did it about four or five times. Um, it was suspicious. I didn't mean to offend anyone. I just got to do what's right for our club. Okay. <laughs> so I've been watching Max Scherzer a long time. This is the manager of a major league baseball team saying, I've never seen him wipe his head quite so much. Here, again, I told you what I think. I think Girardi did that purposely. I think he's seeing Scherzer have, mowing down his guys, and he says, here's how I can get in his head. Scherzer made it clear from his body language he mm-hmm. hated being examined yeah, long before both that. times. Yes, mm-hmm. after when he was walking off in the first inning and the third inning, they checked him again. And so Girardi says, okay, I can get to him. I'm going to try and get to him psychologically, and it, it looked like it was going to work. Scherzer lost his ever-loving mind. He did. But as it turned out, Scherzer kept on pitching and kept on pitching fine, and they won 3-2. Answer me this. Now that the umps are checking this pretty much every inning, are we good with managers being able to ask for this the way that they were before? Of course not. Of course we're not good with that. (laughs) None of the things that are happening are we good with. We're not good with this. Again, this is the two two threads of commonality among the big stories of the day, which is the replay reviews in the basketball and the sticky stuff uh, stuff in the baseball last night, is that we take a good idea and we go too far. It just goes too far. Getting spider tech out of baseball was a good idea. It needed to be done. It should never have led to a place where the manager is upset that the pitcher is wiping his head too much. The second day, the second day of enforcement, Joe Girardi and Max Scherzer almost got into a physical altercation. Yes, and again, I'll repeat for those who don't know this, one of them is a manager. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, and he's the one who's yelling like, bring it on! Let's go! He's instigating this. But I, again, I believe it's because he wanted to get in Scherzer's head. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Is he going to get suspended for that? Maybe a game. Are the Phillies going to, na- are, excuse me, are the Nationals going to throw at Bryce Harper because the Phillies manager 
called out Max Scherzer. It is absolutely on the list of options. We talked about it. We talked about it earlier this week, right? Mm-hmm. The front. This is the frontier justice we are going to see because that move Joe, but that Joe Girardi made, though within the rules, was absolutely bush league. Okay, so I think that's that's where we are, and it is another great reminder that sometimes we can take a good idea too far. Like the the, the simplest way I can describe this is sometimes more of a good thing isn't a good thing. You know, like, like, and this is true of a lot of things. I'll use an example. I like chocolate. I like a little bit of chocolate. Once I have too much chocolate, I stop liking it. It's not as good. A lot of it is not as good as a little of it. How much? How much? Is, what is the cap for you? Like the small bag of M&Ms I like. I like the peanut M&Ms. That's my favorite candy. I like a, the small bag that you get like in the bodega. You mm. go to the movie theater and right. they've got like that giant bag, like you could pack your luggage for a week in it, <laughs> and they're huge. charging you $9 for a bag of peanut M&Ms that could literally feed a village. It's too many M&Ms. I can't eat it. They stop tasting good at some point. It doesn't taste as That's good That's a meal. That, that, that size, it's a meal. It's not a good meal, but it's it a is. meal. Yeah. But, but I love m Again, I love peanut M&Ms. But like anything else, too much of a good thing becomes too much of a thing. Do you prefer them cold or at room temperature? I like, I like them at room temperature. Hmm. But that's neither here nor there. The point of it is that... <laughs> Bad question. <laughs> it's a ridiculous question. Who asks that? What do you mean? Do I prefer them cold or I prefer my temp- chocolate uh, in the refrigerator. You, the, the, you put the M&Ms in the refrigerator? The M&Ms, the Reese's, across the board, I eat my chocolate You know cold. that that is a pet peeve of mine. It is not Reese's. It's Reese's. It is a Reese's peanut butter cup. It's not Reese's. It's Reese's. No, it's not. Yeah, we've gone over this already. I know that, but, uh, well, let's but revisit somehow, this then. he must not have been there. No, because no, I didn't even get, get it because of him. But I didn't even get a chance to get to my most important point, Bubba. What was that? Wait, I'm going to admit that I was wrong about something, but oh, now do that you're aggravating me to the point that I'm hesitant to do it. No, do the wrong thing. I'm hesitant to do it. Do the wrong thing. All right, there's just something I, I need you to know here. All right, I, I, There's something I just want you to know. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. My vegetarian sandwich yesterday sucked. (laughs) If you were not with us at the end of the show yesterday, Hembo and Brandon, uh, our stage manager, were giving me a hard time because I ordered a vegetarian sandwich for my lunch. Hembo was suggesting that it isn't even a sandwich. Now, that's, again, you took a good thing and you went too far. You told me that it isn't a sandwich. That's because it's not a sandwich. It is a sandwich. No, it's not. A vegetarian sandwich is a sandwich. It just isn't a good one. I have the dictionary definition right Go ahead. in front of me, and I will prove you wrong. Read it. Two or more slices of bread with a layer of meat, cheese, fish, etc. between them. Yes, vegetables are etc. Did you order... You order- would you go and you said, I'll take an et cetera sandwich? No, vegetables, et cetera, is a, does not, is a, it's a loosely defined term by definition. Wait, I have to pause. We're up against the end of an hour. We got a lot to work out here and Bruce Bowen in our next hour <laughs> on ESPN Radio. <laughs>